Welcome back to the Good Treason Podcast. On this episode, dentists, relationships, watermelons, Robin is back to almost living a normal life again, except for that pesky international arrest warrant. So here we are talking about life, relationships, and his time in Syria, which is the impetus for this whole thing to begin with. All in this episode of Good Treason. Enjoy it while you can. Good evening. <laughs> How's it good. going, How man? How are you? I'm good, You're dude. Good? I'm, you feeling groovy? Your face isn't all swollen from the dentist's office or anything? No, I actually, I didn't have any treatment yet. Um, I was just there first time. He made it. He, he looked at it. He was like, wow, this looks wild. Um, <laughs> and sent me to the x-ray guy. And I came back and he said, like, okay, we have a lot of stuff to do, but it's it's okay. So the, the dentist is basically other of the boyfriend of the brother of my fiance. So the father of the boyfriend of the brother, of course. Yes, of my fiance. It's pretty easy. <laughs> isn't, uh, yeah, it's going to be much easier to. So you got stuff. Latin American family now, so they can help you out with with all the all the stuff now that you're exactly. engaged. Yes, true. Kind of, kind of, kind of cool. I didn't expect that. <laughs> But um, yes, it happened. I was at the dentist for the first time in, I think, two and a half years. Because before Syria, I was at the dentist. And then like, yeah, afterwards, I was not. Because there's, there was just no money to go to the dentist, right? Um, and so I had to fix. I, I, there's, there's, I couldn't fix anything, right? There was some, have some. Some some black spots on, on places you don't want to you don't want to have black spots, and um, you mean you weren't brushing your teeth while in Syria? No, I did, I did, obviously I did, but not as often as I as as you would in the civilization, because sometimes you have no toothpaste, sometimes you lose your toothbrush, sometimes you have no water. It's like or the water is actually for drinking, and you cannot waste it to brush your teeth, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And it's just like yeah, it's not fun. And um, so I could not take care of my teeth really good for eight months. And yeah, that took its toll. Uh, apart from that, the, the two teeth were taken out in Syria because it was the only method oh, really? hurting. This or trauma. I think it was. was not, like, I just imagine like a guy that looks like a butcher wearing a t shirt yep. with a yep. pair of yep. like car pliers. Kind of. It was a doctor. It was a regular medical doctor, oh, okay. and he had uh, absolute no experience, I think, in dentistry. But he said, "Well, your teeth are uh, broken, and uh, we can to do th- we can do two things. Either I prescribe your tramadol for the rest of the war, which is an opiate, which I cannot take because I'm in the fucking war, and I don't know. Wh- I I don't want to have this feel. I t- I took tramadol before, and um, I know how it feels. It feels pretty good, actually." Um, you feel like, you feel like that's the danger because you feel like, ah, the world's such a nice place while being shot at with RPGs and grenades and other stuff. That's not a good thing to have right now, you know? So I refused that. And he said, okay, the other way is we can pull out the teeth. I can, I can sedate you and we can just plug it out. And I said, all right, I just don't want it to hurt. 
Wow. Yeah, because I mean, if you're on tramadol, your body's natural alarm system it's, turns yeah, off kind yes. of. Yes. Because you're like, oh, I'm probably fine right here standing in the middle of the street. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. And uh, I couldn't risk that. So the teeth were pulled out and the dentist now told me that that was a very bad decision. But Well, it's not well, changed. It's just in the back where you don't see it anyways. But uh, yeah, it's okay. Oh, so he took molars out. No. Did he stitch them up? Stitching. Oh, there are no holes. No they, stitching. They he just left holes back there. They closed by themselves. And um, no, it's not. It's 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 not. It's not a problem. But now I have like um, I have like the problem that on the on the top, for example, I still have those teeth in the same row, but below I don't. So the ones at the top are gonna start to because they have no pressure anymore. Mm. That they press against, so they're gonna start to come down slowly, 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 and one day fall out in like ten years or so. So I need to fix this stuff with implants, for example, uh, so that there is a counter counterpart pressing against the upper teeth. I want to get back to having these teeth taken out by this uh, field doctor yes. in Syria. Yes. Oh God, I don't want to. I, Did they I have Novocaine? I, Did he have Novocaine? Um, no, he 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 gave me full anesthesia actually. Because that's that's only they have. Oh, so they put you all the way out, so he like was like, the same amount as if you yep, had completely. been shot. They're like, well, let's just knock his yep. ass out. And yep, I don't know what it, I. I actually don't know what it was. It could have been lidocaine, but I don't think so, uh, because you can in, because you can inject lidocaine also in the. Uh, no, no, it's not lidocaine. Wait, let me let me think really quickly. There's one. There's one medical stuff that you can inject in the veins as well. And it just blows the shit out. It just blows you off. But I don't remember. It's not lidocaine. This knocks you out. Yeah, it knocks you out completely. But it's wow. not lidocaine. No, he didn't have lidocaine. He didn't have uh, that kind of stuff. He was just knocking my ass out completely and pulling out the teeth, and that was it. And that was a mistake, according to the dentist, just because uh, they probably could have just been drilled and fixed. But, I, I mean, exactly. maybe not a mistake for all the reasons that you stated, though. Yeah, it was, it was, the, it was the best decision at that time, but... There would have been ways to fix the teeth. So yeah, and 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 at that time I didn't have connections to the special forces because they have medical doctors at their base who can also do dental treatments. But I didn't know the special forces guys at that time, so yeah, I had not. I didn't have that. So now you have access to dentistry because why? We explain that again. Okay, so no, it's basically out of two out of two things. If you remember from the last podcast, it's out of the country, right? Because of the visa thing, and um, so the investor came around and said, "Okay, I'm going to invest the money. Invest the money, go for it. Go make money for both of us." So you had three days to pay yes. this fine. I had initially I had ten days, then I got a three day extension. Yes. Initially you had ten days, and then when we were talking, when we finally got to record, the you had like a three day extension to pay this four thousand reais or one thousand dollar fine. Exactly. And all of this hinged on whether or not an investor wanted to invest exactly. in your yes. business. And he did. On the last day he okay. decided he in did. the last on the last day he decided, yes, I will do it. Um, let's go to the bank. Let's get you the, the money for your for your visa fix. And I did get those that money, even though we had some problem with a bank and stuff because 
his bank is from a different country and he had to call the bank a couple of times because they had like fraud alert for taking so much money out of an ATM. Oh man. And then, yeah. And, and I was worried. I was like, oh fuck, I'm not going to get that money probably. Mm. So he's pulling the money out did. on the last day, like on the third day, the money lands in your hand and then you turn on a dime and go straight to the immigration place. So how did that go? Tell me as much as you can about you know the in, the investment okay. process without obviously there's parts of this you don't want to share, but tell me as much as you can. Yes, so I had the money in my hands in the bank. I said thanks, man. He said I'm going to transfer the rest of the money to your bank account. I said cool. Going to see you tomorrow because he he, st- he stayed for a couple more days, and um, then I was with this money with this huge pile of money in my hands, uh, put it in my pocket go to the metro, drive to an immigration office, and I stand in front of an immigration office and I think, well, two things can happen now. Either he takes the money, because basically what it was, it was a bribe. It was a bribe because he was a pretty high high up officer. Hmm. And the, in, the initial sum, the initial fine was 10,000 reais. Wow. And I have this on paper. I have to some paper when I left Brazil the last time. They said, well, you, you overstayed your visa. You have to pay the maximum fine because you, they cannot charge you more than that. And that is 10,000 reais, which is two and a half thousand US dollars. Mm. And so, yeah, I went into the immigration. I asked for the guy because he said, when you come in here, you don't tell people you pay fine. You tell them you want to see me, which uh-huh. is pretty suspicious. <laughs> yeah. And anyways, it saved me a lot of money because $1,000 versus $2,500 is like, it's kind of good. Mm, it's, it's, it's still, I mean, he's going to make a party, I guess, with that money or inviting a lot of hookers, a lot of cocaine. I don't know what he's doing with the money, but I think that's what happens. Oh my God. Let's just say this is all legit though. Because otherwise that makes, <laughs> I think he went straight to the teller. And deposited himself and just did you a favor because he is a, out of the kindness of his heart. <laughs> oh. So he took the money. And because otherwise this puts you in a place where maybe the legitimacy of your stay could be questioned again or no. No, 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 no. I have an official visa stamp and my passport now in the computer. I looked, I looked it, I looked it seriously. I was behind him and he showed me, look what I do. And he's, and I saw still 10,000 is fine. And he clicked just the delete button. And it was... <laughs> he just clicked the delete button and it was gone. And... Um, that sounds like a secure system. Yeah, completely. Um, and then he said, and then he put like new enter date. He took my passport, he put it on the reading machine, and he put in like entered this day. And it was two days ago. And uh, yeah, that's it. So that Didn't resets the clock for your 90 days in... Your 90-day visa, right? Exactly. For me to be able to stay here. And when? so when's the date? Are you guys going to have like a little ceremony? No, 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 no. We're going to have a ceremony in June or July. Okay. When the official marriage is going to be. Mm-hmm. Because we're not, gonna only, we're not only marrying because of the visa. That was her, that was her idea to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to get to get married now for the visa because she was married two times before, mm-hmm. so for her it's like well marriage for me is kind of just a piece of paper. Uh, instead, there's real feelings and um, yeah. So she said, no, let's just do it. 
let's let's do it now. Her lawyer is just uh, on the pre-wedding contract, and um, it's a pretty standard thing. It's just like the prenup. Yeah, it's pretty standard. It's like she puts all stuff on her on the paper that she owns right now until this point. Mm-hmm. I put everything on a paper that I own right now, which is not a lot. <laughs> it's my company. It's 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 our project, the podcast, whatever. And yeah, that's it. <laughs> wow, that's really awesome, man. I mean, I can't believe that you found love while living in the woods in a lean-to shack that you built. <laughs> You're like burying your valuables and your medicines in holes in different spots. Yeah. And whiling away the time on Tinder. Yep, that's that's pretty much what wow. happened. Yeah, that is pretty much what happened. Thank and God for technology. Seriously, I love Tinder. At this point, so good. I'm not using it anymore, obviously. But I wonder if we can get some sponsorship for Tinder. I mean, they'd probably love to try and promote the relationship, the lasting relationship side of their app. I think so too. They should sponsor this this podcast. <laughs> good, good, good reason. Sponsored by Tinder. <laughs> this ass saving brought to you by mm-hmm. Tinder. Yeah, <laughs> this helped you out of the woods into a relationship that has now led to dentistry, yes, marriage, and uh, residency. Yeah, that is uh, exactly what happened. Yeah, wow, that's true. I've always heard, and the people I've talked to who are living in extreme situations. Their life events happen really fast. Love, marriage, kids, jobs, every, like all these big things. Because of the e- extreme nature of their situation, they end up happening just at yeah. a very accelerated rate. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like that's exactly what's happening to it's, you. That's true. No, kids, kids, not yet. Kids, we have decided we're going to put that off for a while. But yeah. Well, because she has kids, right? She has one son, and uh, he's six years old. Um, we get it. We, we get along each other. We get along pretty well, and um, but she she wants another one. She wants a blonde, blue eyes <laughs> girl. So let's see if I can make that happen with my blonde eye, with my blonde hair and blue eyes. Yeah, let's see if I can make that happen. Wow, little robins running around. Yep, little robins running around. That would be cool. <laughs> At least one. <laughs> But I would actually prefer a boy because a boy can teach how to shoot, how to survive. A girl I can do too, but like there's a, there's there's a certain age where I can not do that anymore. I don't know, man. I mean, girls are fighting in militaries, and and my mom is the best shot in my family. Really? Yeah. No, that's yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That's not what I mean. That's she's great with a shotgun. <laughs> yeah. No, but that, but that's not what I mean. I mean, like, you know, there's there's a certain age, girls. Get 12, 13, 14, and you get interested in way other stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's an age where it's like, okay, now we're not going to hang out so much anymore. Uh, daddy, daughter, not, not hanging out so much anymore. Yeah, all kids decide that they're morbidly embarrassed by their parents yeah. and the fact that they yes, were they, yes, kind of, yes, they yes. come from somewhere. And they're like, yes. I can't even be seen with you in the same place. Yeah, yeah, oh God. Well, that's far away from me. <laughs> that is far away from for from me for now. Um, today, actually, I moved in to Elini's apartment. Oh wow! So you're all moved in, and you're not in the favela anymore. I'm not in the favela anymore. I live in a very nice condominium now. Um, I pay half the rent because I can now. 
Wow, moving on up. Yeah, I, 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 I live in a very amazing condo, condominium, uh, which is like, uh, I don't know how to explain that, but it's like a group of houses mm-hmm. that surround uh, an atrium, a huge atrium. And in this atrium, you have two pools. One one hot pool inside, one cold colder pool outside. Oh wow! Um, an indoor gym, an outdoor gym, a conference room, party area, play playground for kids, fancy um, basketball court, everything. I'm gonna send videos later. It's amazing here. You have worked your way all the way up, <laughs> my friend, from the woods yes. to. Live in the high life with multiple swimming pools and gymnasiums. That's pretty, pretty exactly what happened. So you have income now, or this is just from the investment side? For the moment, it's from the investment side. For gotcha. the moment, it is just the investment covers my living expenses for three months. Yeah. The business expenses for three months and some, some clothing and stuff. I went shopping with Elini two days ago. Yeah, it was two days ago, right? We bought amazing stuff. That I can wear when I see clients, and now, yeah, now is the it's the time to meet potential clients, uh, make connections, build relationships, and yeah, get so, to work. So, of all the life details that you've had, and then you know you had it kind of going on in Colombia where you're pretty set up, and then all fell apart again. And before Colombia, you were in Brazil for a minute, but before that, you're in Syria. So what are the details of you know having nothing and living in a place where there's constantly sand everywhere and you're in dirt and you're a lot of the time worried about IEDs and stuff yeah. to then... Suicide cars. Yeah, suicide bombers and vehicles laden with explosives to then back to like, okay, like taking a break from that side, putting it all back together and then losing it all again when you had to flee Colombia. And now you were in kind of the lowest of the low in Rio, living outside in the woods. And so now you've got this, you know, you can hang your clothes. Like, what are the details that you didn't realize that you missed the most? Or are you even that settled in yet? Having a warm shower. Mm -hmm. And I'm not kidding. Like, having a warm shower is amazing. You have no idea how amazing it is when you only can wash yourself in, 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 in a river. To go back to a big shower... Where you can just be yourself, just everything's nice. You have nice. What there's a washing machine here, like the, ah, just just basic stuff, man. There's Netflix on the television. I can watch. I, I can sit on the couch. I can just watch Netflix for an hour. It's no issue. Nobody's gonna steal my stuff. It's 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 just just I don't know. And then the contrast to Syria, obviously, is I don't have to carry my gun all the time. I don't have to watch my gun being stolen all the time, because a couple of people try to steal my uh, try to steal my uh, my M sixteen mm. because it was really nice. It was a really nice one, and yeah, like other soldiers tried to steal your M sixteen in Syria. YPG YPG people, or not, it, it, they were not YPG; they were SDF actually. Gotcha. Yes, and that's part of being in a, a military that's not as well funded as the U.S. Even in the U.S., it's hard to get. Yeah. I've heard, you know, yeah. it can be difficult to get the exact equipment that you want. Yeah, true, exactly. I mean, the rifle was also not the exact equipment that I wanted, but it was better than anything else like you can find in Syria. Yeah. So that was pretty, pretty cool. Are there any little habits that you still have held on to that you're like, oh, wait, why do, 
why am I doing this? I don't. You're probably not even that settled in yet. Mm, let me think about that. <laughs> How long have you been in the place now? Did you already say that? Mm, I came yesterday. Oh, you just moved in for one day. I'm like, oh, you're already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But before that, I didn't live in the woods anymore. It's all still brand new. Yeah, but before that, I didn't live in the woods anymore. I had a small room in a big house. Yeah. For a couple of weeks now. I think I told you. And um, it was okay there. I gave up some habits. Um, like, for example, stashing my food in my room was not necessary because there was a fridge downstairs. Mm. So just put your stuff in the fridge downstairs. And um, <laughs> instead of squirreling away, like. There's so many things, but I, I, I don't remember so many of them now anymore. It's funny because it's just two weeks ago or one week ago. Yeah. Got to keep a log, man. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Well, right now, I actually feel pretty good here because, yeah, it's quiet. Um, it's a very good neighborhood. There's an airport close by. It means you have helicopters flying flying over the, over the, the buildings all the time, which reminds me of the military again. But that's, that's fine. That's cool. I kind of like it. Yeah. That's cool, man. That's a pretty good update for life. You're clicking right along. This is going to turn into a podcast about like business startups, like all the other thousands of business startup podcasts. <laughs> <As you're laughs> transitioning from person living on the fringe to person, you know, starting a business and and functioning. Yeah. Yeah, to be honest, um I quit that habit of thinking like, oh, I'm so glad that I don't have to do that anymore. Um, because it can be like snap of a finger and I'm in the same spot again. So I quit, absolutely quit thinking, oh, now I'm safe. I, I, don't, I don't believe in safety anymore. That's, that's a concept that I don't have anymore. I don't think um, um, life is safe. For me, it's not. There could be police in front of the in front of the door now in like five minutes within in the middle of the podcast saying like, "Hey, uh, you come with us. You bribed a police officer, whatever." Which I didn't, of course, but yeah, could happen. And um, yeah, yeah, like you always have to be prepared for the worst. Yeah, exactly. I have a pretty much pretty much risk um, assessment mindset now. I think I'm always I'm always thinking about okay, what's the worst thing that can happen now, and I try to be prepared for that. Mm-hmm. And I try not to look, I mean, I'm happy, as you can hear. And I'm always trying to have a very positive attitude around things. But at the same time, I always try to to see, okay, there's a lot of risk still, even now, right? For example, Eleni could change her mind like this and say, hey, well, you know what? Actually, I don't like this whole arrangement here. Just, just please leave. She's not going to do that because we're in love, but it's possible. could happen. So, yeah. So how does that change the way that you live life? I mean, did you used to not live that way where you you took things for granted more? You know, does it make you think that everything is more special? Yes, definitely. I mean, the fact that I walk two minutes now to go to the gym, for me, is one of the most amazing things. The fact that there's an air conditioning in the in the, in, in the bedroom and I don't have to sweat my ass off in the middle of the night anymore, and I can actually sleep and start to have a real sleeping pattern. Like, for example, go to sleep at 12, wake up at 8. 
That's amazing, man. That's like, that's, 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 that makes me so happy. You have no clue. People have no idea how good they have it when they're at home and complaining about their, their stupid jobs and stuff. And while I was here in, in, in Brazil, wishing I had a job to actually have food and, and actually have a, have, a, have a roof over my head. And I was even happy in the favela, even with the loud carnival music or, or funky music that they have. I was still happy because there was, there was food, there was a roof over my head. I had people to talk to. It was great. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's about appreciation, I think. And um, that's something I learned in Syria already. Because in Syria, there, there are times where you have nothing as well. Right? No food, no drinks. Because the, the lines of supply are pretty weak. Let's put it this way. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, sometimes you get food from three weeks ago. And that's not eatable anymore. So, yeah. You get more appreciative about things. And the stuff that you have, you know, can go away at any moment. Exactly. I have a nice microphone, but could be gone tomorrow. For example, right now, you know what I do right now? I eat a piece of watermelon. I was going to say, it sounds like you're smacking your lips over there. Mm. <laughs> are, you, is, are you enjoying it? <laughs> in, in, that case, in that case, I'm going to stop. But, but the fact that I can have a watermelon... Right now, just because I want to have it. I don't want to stop you from enjoying your watermelon just for this podcast. <laughs> I think you know. You know, it's amazing. I should. I should. You, you know what we should do? We should start record this on video as well, because then people can see me eating the watermelon and smiling like crazy, and and seeing in my eyes how much I enjoy eating this piece of watermelon. <laughs> and maybe people get inspired. To not bitch about their life so much anymore, and then yeah, I'm with it, man. Yeah, let, we should definitely do some video. Yeah, yeah. This is the part where we transition into going through Robin's Instagram to Terra fighting Robin from the time that he arrived in Syria. Yeah, you remember last time we talked about how you arrived in northern Iraq and then made it over the border into Syria, crossing the Tigris River, all to get to that picture, that pretty. Uh, intense looking selfie that you took yeah it was pretty quality i have way more of that (laughs) way more selfies (laughs) i mean i saw uh, yeah you when you uh when we started this whole thing you shared with me all your pictures and i gotta say there are a lot of selfies and you can see yeah exactly (laughs) especially in the beginning there are a lot of selfies later on i didn't take so many selfies anymore but in the beginning well yeah that's what you do that's that's all you have to do. It was waiting time. Yeah, talk about that. I mean, so a lot of being over there, the day to day. So this is sort of picking up from that last yeah. selfie. You're there, you know, you're yeah. doing a little bit of training. And one month. It was one month of training. Yeah. And let me talk I think it's great to talk a little bit about the training because the training is gonna sound insane to people. So the training was one month or four weeks long. And at first they made us wait for, I think, two more weeks for more people to arrive or because they didn't want to teach or whatever, because there were no more people to arrive. And at one day we just started. They just said, okay, today we start, please come to the classroom. And they started to teach history. History about the Kurds, Rojava. Mm. I have to admit I played mainly with my phone because it was very much around the ideology 
about this whole, you know, Abdullah Öcalan made this whole ideology about uh, female rights and stuff. And for Europeans, this is so normal. Female rights, of course, I don't go to in the public and touch a woman's a woman's ass. I don't do that. It's not it's not something I do regularly, right? This is Abdullah Öcalan. Yes, exactly. How would you describe him? What is he to the Kurdish? Um, he was he, he he was the leader of the Kurdish movement uh, in uh, in, in uh, Turkey. He was the leader of the PKK, and they arrested him on terror charges. And I agree, because at that time he had very terrible ways of um, trying to uh, enforce human rights of Kurdish people in Turkey. Right. For for example, they use the PKK use suicide bombers themselves. Oh, really? And that is a terrible thing to do. So I do not agree with that. And you know that this is always a trouble when dealing with YPG because YPG is very close to the ideology of PKK. Mm. But over time, Abdullah Öcalan changed. Now he's in prison for I think thirty years in a Turkish prison. Mm-hmm. And he's still allowed to write. He's still allowed to to talk to lawyers sometimes, stuff like that. And he wrote some 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 stuff. And I can agree with some of it. Be nice to be nice to animals. Um, be nice to women. Uh, women and men are equal. Stuff like that. Basic stuff. You know, for you and me, this is pretty normal, right? Don't hang a dog and and cut his throat off, for example. And no, um, in Syria. Still, people do terrible things with animals. Really? I've seen some crazy stuff where I thought, okay, either we leave or I'm going to shoot the guy now. Which was an SDF fighter. So, basically, uh, an ally of mine. Mm-hmm. For example, there was, there was something that almost broke my heart. That was so terrible. There was a little puppy. And we were about to pick up my, M- my, M4- my M16. Which didn't work because they didn't have it. But it was the armory. And there was a little puppy dog. Mm-hmm. And he was so cute, and he was cute, really, really cute. He was so cute, and I'm crazy about dogs. Something you need to, you need to know about me: I'm crazy about dogs. If you give <laughs> me a big dog, I'm going to be all over the dog. No, none of the humans get attention anymore. Only the dog. <laughs> and so there was this puppy, and I think it was like it could have been a German Shepherd, a mix between a German Shepherd and a Labrador, maybe. And he was really cute. I started petting him. He started following me around and stuff. And then we hopped onto this car because we had to go. And the puppy started running. The puppy started running after me and started following us. And I was in the back of the car and I saw this this puppy following me. And I have a video of that, mm-hmm. of this puppy following me. And... That already almost broke my heart because I, I thought, well, dude, I cannot, I cannot take you with me. I'm sorry. Mm. And then the Kurdish, the Kurd, or it was an Arab guy, I think, next to me, pulled out his gun, his AK, his AK-47, and started to shoot at the puppy. What? Yes. So I punched him in the face. Really? And took his and took his AR. Yeah, and took his AR. Oh God, man. And took his gun away from him and pointed it. Okay, I cannot. I, I, I don't know if I should tell this. Yeah, no, no, I'm going to tell this. It doesn't matter anyway. Um, and I pointed his own gun at him. And I shouted at him, what the fuck are you doing? And he didn't speak English, obviously, so he didn't get, he didn't get what I wanted. But yeah. he clearly understood that I don't like him to try to shoot the puppy. 
right? Holy shit. People get more upset about a puppy or a dog or other animal being harmed yeah. than humans in other countries, honestly. Yeah, yeah, it's true. He at least deserved a punch in the face. He did, he yeah. did. He got it good. <laughs> he got it good. And this gets into something that's kind of hard for Westerners is there's so much of a cultural difference. Exactly, yes, exactly. And just like what you're talking about, how Abdullah Okalan, like, they're like, wow, he's finally saying women don't deserve to be locked up and hidden and they can be equal. Exactly, they can vote, whatever. And they're like, wow, it's so revolutionary. And we're like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of fatigue in the U.S. for trying to understand the culture over there. And why should we care? You know, there's a big why should we care? Exactly. But then you took that a step further and actually ended up in this place with people. And this could just be one asshole guy, too. Obviously, there, I'm sure there are asshole guys in the U.S. that would just shoot at a puppy and deserve to be punched in the face. Obviously. Sure. Um, Obviously. It's stories like that that make it difficult or make it easy to just sort of lump everybody in and be like, why should I care about these people? Is that something that came up for you when you're sitting in here? Like, like, is this how all these assholes are? No, never. Because there were a lot of good guys, a lot of good people, women, men, where I thought, wow, these are really amazing people. Mm -hmm. This was just, this, th that one guy was just an asshole. And, but the thing is, this is why they call it a revolution over there. Because for them, it is a revolution. But for us, it's normal. And they don't get, we don't get that for them, this is a, re a revolution. And they don't get that for us, that's normal. Mm. We don't, we, we're not in the bus groping girls. We're not uh, shooting at, at, at puppy dogs usually when we're not a psychopath and stuff, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And I mean, you know, the US right now is going through an, an extremely intense social moment in terms of equality. And I think it's great. I'd say the culture in this country is going through some growing pains right now. Yeah. And Agreed. it's good to see because if it doesn't hurt, it's not learning. If it doesn't hurt, it's not growing. And so, but then, you know, we look at these other cultures and we're like, oh, you're so far behind. And they're like, yeah, you mean like how it was when your grandparents were kids here in this country? Yeah. Obviously, there was never the amount of, of female oppression. I don't know. It's hard to say, man. The It's hard to, 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 and how would you describe this? You know, like, it's hard to pull out the difference between cultural traditions and just straight up sexism because those things are really intertwined. And then you have generalized sexism and social sexism and then just certain assholes who are just assholes that use the system to be more assholes, <laughs> you know? Well, I think a lot of it is what is the intention behind it? Mm -hmm. And that is something that's really hard to find out because, um, I mean, as you know, I'm a psychologist, mm -hmm. and by name, I mean by 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 university studies, I'm a psychologist, mm -hmm. and I think a lot of a lot of this is by by intent, by intention. Okay, and I'm a big fan of Jordan Peterson. Not everything he says is great, and and, and I disagree with him on a lot of things, but um, he says one thing: as soon as you part a group of people, there's going to be trouble. Mm. It's going to cause a problem. I was going to say, you may have just parted half of the audience by saying that you like Jordan Peterson. <laughs> I know. Sorry, he, sorry, he is, no, I I'm think not, I'm not hiding. No, I agree with you. I think that, you know, he says some amazing things. And like anyone, not everything is dead on, but a lot of things. It's Exactly. 
Exactly. Everything in moderation, including moderation sometimes. So, you know, people that and that is true. Yeah. And if somebody wants to if somebody wants to stop listening to this podcast just because I like Jordan Patterson, just because I have a different opinion, then maybe think about why you cannot accept a different opinion. Yeah. Or at least play devil's advocate and hear out what, you know, people are saying. Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. Definitely. Um, and the thing is, when you feminism is okay, but fe feminism at the same time, to play it to extreme, is a status game, and nothing more. Mm. Because when I my first girlfriend in Brazil was a feminist, and we had a lot of discussions, not because I was behaving bad, but because I think that she is dead wrong about a lot of things she said and thinks. And she's very fanatic. And she played a lot of status games around all this material. Um, and, you know, socialists, feminists, all of those extreme people, when they are extreme. they I've dated feminists who were amazing. So has nothing to do with that. But as soon as it gets extreme, for me, in the role as a psychologist, it, it's more of a status game. Mm. Than anything else, it's more like I want to be right. I want you to admit that you are wrong. Yeah, it's when the banner that you're waving becomes your excuse to no longer think and be critical of your own positions. Instead, you just say, "Yes, exactly." Anything that supports this banner, I am with. Yeah, and that becomes dangerous. Whether we're talking about swastikas or ISIS flags. Or I was about to say ISIS flag the same. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or things that are that are arguably very positive and that need to happen in society, which is a continued fight for more equality, can also become dangerous if people stop to question if they don't if they stop questioning exactly what their motives are. Exactly. The thing is, for example, in German special forces, mm -hmm. um, there was a lot of a lot of arguments going on because they didn't want to lower the bar for female applicants hmm. right so when you look at when you look at navy seals there are no female navy seals mm -hmm. because they just don't accept females in the navy seals not because they don't think that females are not capable but because it would cause it would cause a lot of um, logistical issues mm -hmm. and so here's the thing in germany Females, women are allowed to actually apply for special forces. But no, no women ever has met the uh, physical, um, the physical uh, requirements. requirements. Yeah. Yes, requirements. That's the word I was looking for. The physical requirements. And so obviously feminists now say, oh, but maybe you should lower the requirements. And then the military screams back, no, we should not, because this is special forces. These people, doesn't matter if male or female, need to be able to do a job that is more demanding than anything else. Mm -hmm. So we cannot lower the bar under no circumstances. And yeah, I agree. Yeah, if it comes to, you know, performing physically so that you are capable of doing that in life and death situations. Yes. Um, I agree. I think there, I'm sure there is a ton of nuance that I know nothing about because 
I know that that's been a thing where women have been trying to get into the U.S. Navy SEAL operation. I just Googled it real fast and they're, yep. you know, yep. talking about two women could enter uh, special operations training. That was back in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the follow-up on that, but I think it's cool that women are pushing the boundaries of what's been traditionally possible. I think that's awesome. Definitely. And in certain things, though, that require, you know, you have to be able to climb up a wall that's this tall because that's the way the sides of ships are built or whatever it is, um, then everyone has to do that. Yep. And I think that there's probably a lot of assumption and other things that go along too that that sort of make it difficult. So it's like, it's hard to pull those things apart to be like, okay, this one thing is bullshit, but this, everyone has to be able to do. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And that just takes time to figure all that stuff out. There's, I mean, I think there are people acting and creating and inventing new rules and classes and <clears throat> Navy SEAL programs and exercises within those every day, every year, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. Yep. And these become standard operating procedures. They become uh, things that people then take for granted. Yep. And so going back in with a new lens of equality and saying and trying to pull it all back apart and be like, well, why'd you make it this way? It takes time. That is a lot of human effort that needs to be pulled back apart and rethought out and like, okay, this piece is bullshit. Like women can pee in the woods, but this piece that is everyone has to climb the tree in under 30 seconds is real. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's bullshit. Who knows? Like it's, yeah, it requires a lot of effort. It just takes time. And I hope that people keep working on it. I agree. It's not my specialty, but I hope, I hope that people keep pushing. Because otherwise, there's there's some advanced society that looks at us the same way that you know we're talking about like um, Okalan and the the Kurds, like we have equality. Because tell me about the the YPJ. YPJ, I didn't I didn't have much contact with them. Well, so what are so, they? Just to start though. Oh, YPJ is basically an all female protection unit of the Kurds in Syria. YPG with a G at the end, is the man, and it's only males. YPJ, though, are only females. Mm-hmm. And they have commands together. And the high command, for example, needs to be an equal amount of males and female commanders. Mm. And they have an equal saying, right? But, for example, um, YPJ... The females, the female army, non, no male can tell them what to do. Hmm. It's just not possible, right? When I'm a commander and I'm a, I'm a man, I cannot go there and tell them, you go to this front line now. The woman is going to say to me, no. And she has all the right to do so, right? Cool. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool uh, because they have their own command structure. They have their own commanders. Uh, they make their own decisions. But still, they're part of SDF. They're part of YP. Well, no, no, but technically not part of YPG mm-hmm. because they're YPJ, but they're still part of SDF, of, yeah. of the Kurdish Defense Forces, and they obviously work together. They're not separately completely. They're just like all women, mm-hmm. and they have different rules. They cannot marry. They cannot engage in intimate relationships, stuff like that, as long as they serve at least. And um, yeah. That made it at times pretty difficult because sometimes they were pretty cute. <laughs> I have to say that. Yeah, I was just gonna say, were they made it very? So they had a celibacy rule for both men and women. 
Well, well, we could technically engage with uh, civil women, but the, since there were no civil women except the journalists, and the journalists were not very attractive, <laughs> um, there was nothing to do. There was this one. There was this one hot chick. She was fucking hot, but yeah, didn't have enough time. Was there a lot of that going on? I mean, did you see like relationships forming or people sneaking no, off to the? Not at all. None. Never. When it comes to romance, this was the most boring war ever. <laughs> I think. Ever. There was a base, a YPG base, a YPJ base, <laughs> pretty close to ours. Mm-hmm. And one day I walked by. And they were like five amazingly hot girls standing on the balcony waving down to me. It wasn't a mirage? I don't know. No, it was not because they invited me for tea. Oh, okay. So, so they invited me over for tea. And uh, I was hesitating because I was like, damn, I'm all alone. I'm one guy. I'm all alone. Should I go or not? <laughs> and the thing is, my job, my job usually was when we were not on the front line, my job was to go into the houses and look around for intel, mm. like passports of ISIS people, um, documents of ISIS, stuff like that. And that was part of my job to deliver that to the, to the U.S. Special Forces. So these are just empty houses. You're not going into occupied houses. These are just empty houses that have been left behind that are behind empty, the front line. They're behind the front line. Yes, exactly. So they've all been secured, but now you're going in to look for extra information. Mm, kind of, kind of secured. They are secured, but they could still be IDs. Yeah. So I was always very careful, and um, obviously, I didn't get blown up. Um, almost once, once almost, um, I didn't see the pressure plate, and I stepped over it. What? And from the other side, I could I could see it, and then I was like, "Fuck!" And I saw the huge load of explosive. And I was like, I, I'm out of here. And it was live? Yeah, I think so. I didn't try. I mean, I just fucked off. Did you just, you just left it there? Yeah, I just, I, just, I just fucked off and I just like, I just skipped duty for the day. Oh my um, God. Like looking, look, I, I just skipped looking for Intel duty for the day. There's no like bomb disarming unit that you would call for that kind of stuff? They have one and I marked the house, but I highly doubt they came. Yeah. Because obviously I marked the house. I mean, and how do you mark? Yeah. What is that? I was spray paint. Okay. You spray paint, you spray paint a symbol on the, on the house and that's it. So, but I was there uh, on, on this duty and there were this, these five amazingly beautiful females yeah. in YPG uniform uh, or in military uniform on the balcony waving to me, smiling. Can you get in trouble for hanging out with girls alone without you know supervision or whatever? No, I cannot. But one of the girls cannot hang out with me alone. So I, as a, as a man, can hang out with a lot of them alone, no problem. But when one of them decides to hang out with me alone, she cannot. She always has to have one other female with her. Which is probably kind of smart. Yeah, I think so too, because there was a lot of rape going on before the war. So it's quite smart to do that. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Mm. And um, I remember I was like there drinking tea and she said, oh, you have? Do you have? In which in which unit are you in? And I was like, I'm in, in the sniper team. And they were so happy to meet snipers and stuff. So I invited. Uh, I don't remember either Jack or Argesh. One of them I invited over. 
And I said, let's go to them. Let's go to them. And Jack was always like, no, let's not go. Come on, man. You cannot do anything with them anyway. <laughs> and he was, he was, he was hard. He was just like, he was just like, he, he had given up on any, any kind of that already. Right? Any Syrian mm. romance. Any Syrian romance, Jack had given up on that or, or never had the plan of having one. I don't know. So, so we went, we had Chai. There was this amazingly beautiful, cute girl. She was maybe, I don't know, maybe 25. And I was 31. And we were constantly looking at each other. And I think her commander saw it. And she was not very, she, she was not unhappy about it. But at the same time, she was aware of the rules. Mm -hmm. So she was she was looking at me, nodding with with this with this knowing. You know, when people have a knowing eye, yeah, when they have this look in their eye that they know what you're up to, or they know your intentions. The side eye. Yeah, exactly. And she was <laughs> nodding, and she was looking back to the woman, and she was looking back to the girl. <laughs> She's like, "I see you coming yeah. from a mile away, German guy." Thinking you're taking selfies, yeah. taking brooding selfies all the time. Now <laughs> making eyes at my 25 year old soldier. Yeah, exactly. Something like this, and it was funny. And um, yeah, never saw her again. But it was cute. It was pretty cute. We tried to we tried to hang out, uh, but we couldn't. It was just not just not possible. She tried to find excuses to 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 walk us back to our base or to to visit our base she tried to find excuses but she could never have a moment alone with me so were you like texting with her or she had no phone they have they they, they all have no phone they have no phones so you just see her around camp yes exactly okay i saw her sometimes um they invited us for tea, for tea again mm. and jack refused to come with me and he's like, everybody dude. refused to come with me. Jack was just like, dude. He's like, dude, you're basically just looking for trouble. <laughs> exactly. That's ex that's pr that's pretty much what Jack said. Pre Jack said something around along the lines like, nothing's gonna happen. Just forget about her. Focus on the war. Yeah. And I was like, well, dude, yes, you're right. Because if guys get jealous, I'm sure you know. Obviously, we've established they're asshole guys around. If they were to get jealous and you're out there with live weapons, there could be an accident that would not turn out well for you. Yeah, that's called friendly fire. Yeah, over jealousy. I mean, I don't know if there's ever been a soap opera that takes place on the front lines, but... I haven't seen. Hmm. I have seen some soap opera, but it was not around... It was not around women. It was around a group of foreigners were not allowed on the front line mm. because basically we were one of the only groups of only foreigners who were allowed to no we were the only group who were allowed to move on our own mm -hmm. we could do whatever we wanted our commanders trusted us that much that they said here's the tablet there's us there's enemy territory here here is the points where isis was seen you decide where you want to go you contact me by radio. You tell me where you are. You do whatever you want. You don't need to. Re you don't need to ask for permission. Just go. And this is partly because of Jack. Is that right? Because he'd been there for longer than anyone. Exactly. I think it was eighty percent because of Jack. Okay. And twenty percent because we did amazing job. An amazing job. Mm -hmm. That's basically it. But eighty percent was Jack. 
So give a give me like the the ninety second rundown, just in case people aren't familiar at, at this point still of of who we are. You know who you're talking about when you say we. This is the two two three. So we. Yes, we are the 223 sniper team, or we were the 223 sniper team. Like the second iteration of the 223, right? Exactly. But the first 223 was an infantry unit. Mm -hmm. The second 223 sniper team was a sniper team. We were four snipers. In the beginning, we were three Argesh, Jack, and me. Argesh was a guy from Spain. Jack Holmes was from the UK. And I was from, from, from Germany. And we had planned that team. Um, from Argesh and me had planned that team from in the safe house in Iraq already. We had to plan, hey, let's make let's make a sniper team where we actually operate like Western snipers, not like the Syrian snipers, not like the YPG snipers that are actually not very smart about what they do, right? Mm -hmm. And so they didn't read the sniper training book that you talked about. No, they didn't, and uh, that's why I taught. That's why that's why I had to teach them a little bit of stuff, and that's why I'm in trouble now. Yeah, because I taught them, and that's why I'm wanted for treason. So there was there was no group, except a few, a few individual people who were allowed to go on the front line itself, even under guidance, mm -hmm. right? And one particular group. They, they asked for permission for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, and they didn't get permission. And there was a reason for that, because they were not ready. Mm -hmm. They were not ready to fight. And their commander was an idiot, uh, had an absolute huge ego, and could not accept criticism. So the commander knew this and said, no, you're not going on front line, sorry, we have no, no use right now for you. He tried to be polite. And they still did it. They snuck on the front line. Oh wow! And some ter and some terrible things happened. Really terrible things happened that we're going that we're going to talk about in the next podcast. I think this group. So this this group of volunteers, yeah, who's clearly not ready to go on the front line, is sneaking on the front line, and something really terrible happens. They fucked up so they fuck up so completely that somebody dies. Wow. And you're gonna tell me that story on the next episode. I will. Okay. Yeah. And next time no eating watermelon while we're recording. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or peanut gotcha. butter, Mr. Ed. Or <laughs> I didn't eat peanut butter. I know, I'm just no, kidding. Anything that makes butter. me go. Okay. Okay, gotcha. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, we just want to get these sounding as clean as possible. Though it's kind of fucking hilarious that you're eating watermelon during this. Uh, I know, and I thought, the, I thought the story about eating watermelons was Yeah, great. it was great. No, I, I loved it. Thanks for sticking with us through another episode of Good Treason. Check us out on goodtreason.com, Facebook page, Reddit, all that good stuff. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Good Treason. This is Scott Meyer for Springline Media.